0: This morning, I want to lift the thought, the strength of a woman. The strength of a woman. Those who, who know me, they, they know me well, they, they know that uh, my village, my immediate village consists of, of people who have raised me, disciplined me, and nurtured me? That there are there are men within that village. There's there's my uncle my uncle Robert who, who who I call him Uncle Cuckoo who who taught me the principles. Don't ask me why. We call him Uncle Cuckoo. We you know we somebody said we know, eh? <laughs> uncle Cuckoo who who taught me the precepts of. Of being a man who, who pulled me aside one day and, and taught me the value in shaking a man's hand with a firm grip and looking him in the eye. That that goes a long way to our young men and our older men. When you, when you allow the inside of your hand to firmly meet another man's hand, and it just gives a sense of respect and he taught me the value of saying yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, and no, sir. There, there, are men. There, there's Pastor Cochran who, who, who was who introduced me to God, who discipled me, who baptized me at, at franchise. There's 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 Reverend Harris who, who taught me how to provide care and to remain faithful. And then there's there's Reverend Willie Lee Hill. Amen who taught me how not to take no junk, amen. You know, who, you, know, who, you know, who taught me how not to take no junk, how to stand firm, amen. You know, amen. There's, there's Mr. Christopher Lindsay, the principal up at, up at Carver, who, who saw something in me when I was a freshman and, and, and was just up there playing around. And, and in assemblies, you know, yelling out from the back of the auditorium, Free Mr. Clark, Amen. You know, you know, but you. In the moment I said that, he took me in his office and he whooped me, Amen, <laughs> with his paddle. But not only with the men who are in my village, there are some strong women who showed and exemplified what it means to be. A godly woman. There, my my both of my grandmothers, Evelina Chester and Katherine Buckner. Amen. There's my godmother, Auntie Lily. There's my Auntie Charlotte, Daphne, Tanya. And then there's most of all my mother, who who I watched firsthand walk by faith in trying to raise a black man in America, realizing that she could not do it on her own. So she intentionally sent me to boot camp every summer (laughs) with my Uncle Cuckoo. (laughs) You know, and had to cut grass. We didn't have the luxury, JR, amen, and Drew. We didn't have the luxury of playing video games through the whole summer. We had to work every day and buy our own school clothes. Amen. 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 And it is through the lens of those men and women that I have come to find out and I was introduced, not in the church, but walking and watching those persons. That's, That's where I was discipled. By watching those in my village, Trust and teach about God. All right. And if you pull up the transcript of your own life, there are some people who don't even go to Greater Bearwood, who probably don't even go to church, who have shown you some attribute of what it means to be a God-fearing Christian. Amen. Amen. That they have walked the walk before you. Now, they weren't perfect but they have walked the walk before you in every juncture of your life. You see yourself emulating them in some kind of way. But as we celebrate in the month of March, International Women's Month, I want to be intentional about lifting up some biblical women who we can learn some lessons from. That we, 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 we know, we know about the, you know, the high-profile women. We know about, you know, the sisters of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and how they were two God-fearing sisters, but they had two different perspectives of how to live out their faith. And Mary was more of the worshiper, and Martha was more of the worker, right? We know about the sisters of, of, of Lazarus. We We know about the faith of Ruth and Naomi. And God in heaven knows we know about the faith and courage of the mother of Jesus, Mary. We know about the faith of those women who, when the friends of Jesus had deserted him, left him to die and stay in a grave. But we know about those women. That on the first Easter morning, went to anoint the body of Jesus in faith. Didn't know what was going to happen when they got there, but they still went. And when they got there, they were the first ones to see that the grave was empty. We know about those high-profile but I want to lift up some women who have exemplified God's grace, God's faithfulness, and God's strength. And the first one today comes to us from a little-known woman by the name of Zephora. Depending upon which side of the track you're from, some people say Zipporah, some people say Zipporah, some people say Zephora, whatever you want to call her, amen. That's fine with me. That Zephora is a little known woman who is the daughter of a man by the name of Jethro. And many of us know about Jethro because of how Jethro gave godly counsel to God's leader by the name of Moses. That to introduce Zephora, one must one must examine where she came from. That Zephora, as the Bible teaches us, is Jethro's daughter, is the Moses, is the wife of Moses. But the unique thing and which causes tension, Brother Ingram, is that Jethro nor Zephora are Israelite. They come from a small, poor tribe called the Midianites, right? Put put that, write that down now. They come from the Midianites, and the Midianites don't follow the same rules that the Israelites follow. Y'all listening to me today? They come from a different background. They have different understandings of God, but God allows his chosen leader, Moses, to marry an outsider. He marries this outsider named Zephora, and in their marriage, they bring to pass their firstborn son by the name of Gershom. Write that down. Write that down. They they bring to pass, bring into the world, their firstborn son by the name of of Gershom. And it is in Exodus chapter 4 that God has had his burning bush conversation with Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And you remember what God told Moses in Exodus chapter 3? He told Moses, I want you to go down to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. All right. After some debate and also excuse giving, Moses yields to the will of Almighty God. He goes to Pharaoh and he tells Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. Pharaoh said man you know what you're talking about you know you you got one God I got a hundred look they all up on the wall <laughs> and I want to see what your God is going to do in the face of my 100 plus gods so God tells Moses now since Pharaoh won't listen to you I'm going to cause plagues to come upon the land of Egypt And I want you to pronounce each of the plagues. Y'all hear me? (coughs) Moses follows the voice of God. And when you get to Exodus chapter 4 verse number 19 it seems as if Pharaoh ain't budging. Moses has taken up his staff, thrown it to the ground, it turned into and picked it up, and it turned back into a rod. Okay. He's allowed his uh, the locusts have come. The uh, now river has turned into a river of blood. All right. He stuck his hand in his cloak, and it came out leprous. Stuck it back in, and it came out normal. All right. And Pharaoh still All right. ain't budging. Right. So God says, Moses, since Pharaoh ain't budging, the way I'm going to get Pharaoh to move, All right. in verse number 19 and uh, verse through verse number 22, he says, "Now the way I'm going to get Pharaoh to move and let y'all leave Egypt is I want you to pronounce All right. that I'm going to kill the firstborn." Right. Y'all not ready to have church today. He says, now the way I'm going to get Pharaoh to move is I'm going to kill the firstborn. So Moses, in verse number 21 and 22, he does exactly what the Lord told him to do. Right? Y'all follow me? Y'all follow me? Follow me? I'm, I'm ready to holler right now, but I, I just can't. That he does exactly what God tells him to do. But the tension in the text is when you get to verse number 24. And the Bible says, Adrian didn't say this, the Bible says that after Moses had done what the Lord told him to do, the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Now, now what's going on? What's what's wrong with this picture? Moses has done everything that the Lord told him to do. And now after doing everything that the Lord told him to do, Uncle Rod, the Bible says that the Lord wanted to kill him. And some question marks ought to be going off in your head. Now, what kind of God is this that calls somebody, ordains somebody, gives them the strength to put his hand in his cloak, and come out leprous, throw his staff down on the ground, and turn into a snake, pick it back up, it goes back into a stick, put his, put his staff in the water, And it turns into blood. How could God allow all this to happen? Moses does everything God wants him to do. And he wants to kill him. Then pops on the scene the four. That when the Lord in verse number 24 says that the Lord sought to kill him. Instead of Zephora throwing a pity party, she does what women always do. What is it? What is it? When women see a problem, they get to working. <laughs> now, if ain't nobody else saying nothing, the ladies all to say something. Amen. <laughs> that history has recorded whenever there has been a problem, there may have been men on the front line, but there were some women in the background making stuff happen. You know, and that, that's just what women, they right, Ms. Hill, they just, you know, they just, that's just what y'all do. You know, sometimes women don't, are not allowed to get the attention but then the ones doing the work. You you ask me how I know? Let me let me let me pull it up. You know while while Dr. King and the men were arguing about who who's going to be in charge of the of the Montgomery bus boycott, while the men were in one room arguing, the women were in their kitchens baking pies and cakes so that they could pay for people to run their cars since folks weren't going to be able to get on the bus. Right? And even in the most hideous and horrific time in Africans in American history, on the plantation, y'all don't hear me, that it was women who put their lives and their bodies on the line to make sure that their families stayed together. Yeah. Yeah. That throughout history, God has used women to make stuff happen. And fellas, I'm here to tell y'all. When the last woman leaves Greater Bear Wood, I'm gonna be right behind. Because we'll be up in here arguing about who in charge. Amen. When the last woman leaves this church, I'm going to be right behind them and we're going to go start another church. Amen. <laughs> here it is. The forum does what women always do. And that's make stuff happen even at their own expense. Y'all don't hear me today. That Zephora exemplifies the strength of a God-fearing woman. And when she sees that her husband is about to be killed, she goes into action, that she goes against what she's been taught as a Midianite to make sure that her husband was covered in the eyes of God. Here it is, here it is. Why did Zephora have to go into action? That you have to remember, Moses was an Israelite By birth But he was an Egyptian By training Y'all hear me He was an Israelite By birth But he was an Egyptian By his upbringing And what distinguishes Israelites From everybody else Anybody want to answer Circumcision What distinguishes Israel from everybody else was male circumcision. That Moses, being an Egyptian by upbringing, he never got the opportunity to be fully circumcised. Y'all don't know when to shout. He did not have the opportunity to be fully circumcised because Egyptians only practice partial circumcision. Israelites practice full circumcision. So here it is Moses out here talking on the behalf of God, but ain't in right relationship with God. Moses, out here talking on behalf. Moses, you know, man, this is not an anti-male sermon, you know, right? But you know how we do. You know, we just be talking. Sometimes we don't know what we be talking about. We just be talking just just to talk. Moses out here talking, and when God checks the record, God sees that Moses, Has not been circumcised. Which shows us. No matter how mightily God uses you. If you don't play by God's rules. God will take you out. And many of us get it fooled. Just thinking because we are so gifted. And because God is using us mightily. We sometimes get it twisted that we are above the law and the rules of God. All right. But God shows us through Moses that even if you are my mouthpiece, if you're not following my law, I'm going to let you get by. But you sure enough won't get away. Here it is. Zephora sees that her husband is not covered. Because according to Genesis chapter 17, the sign of the covenant was male circumcision. So Zephora sees that her husband is not fully covered. And she goes into action realizing that if her husband ain't covered, her household ain't covered. And if her household ain't covered, when the firstborn start to die, her firstborn is gonna die. She realizes that if her husband ain't in right relationship, her household ain't in right relationship. She realizes that if her husband is operating outside of the covenant, she's operating outside of the covenant. And so I've got a word for all of us in the room that's single. Amen. Help us somebody. Amen. Amen. Instead of us looking for folks who look good, we ought to be looking for folks who can make sure that when we're at our weakest point that they can cover us hey man you know you know folks always ask me you know Adrian you know how you uh, you know how you pastor in that that established church without a wife all right you say you know you know, he said, they may say, you know, I know them old folks be getting on to you. I said, well, you know, they don't give me too much trouble. <laughs> they don't give me too much trouble, hey, amen. I said, uh, but we but you know, i am kind of kind of made a made an agreement, right? You know. While I'm while I'm looking, hey, amen. They ought to be praying. That while I'm looking, they ought not be trying to play matchmaker, but while I'm looking, they ought to be praying that God give me somebody who can cover me when I'm at my weakest point. Because if if my household is out of order, the church gonna be out of order. And, I, and I, say, I tell people, you know, I, say, and I tell them, I say, when they say, well, Reverend Chester, when are you gonna get married? I said, just pray for me. <laughs> because because if y'all want Bellwood to be tow up, let me fool around and marry somebody who can't cover me. <laughs> all right, all right. Let me fool around and marry somebody who's going all is gonna all be about them. And being quote-unquote first lady, you know. I said, I ain't looking for no first lady. I said, I'm looking for a wife. <laughs> hey, hey. On,
1: real,
0: and for all of us who are looking and on the market, yes, sir. you ought to be praying that God give you somebody who can go into action When you are at your weakest point before God, you better be praying for somebody who can go in prayer for you when you can't pray for yourself. Hey! When they see you walking out of line with God, they don't bust you out, but they start praying for you. Hey, hey, hey. And for all my little teenagers, amen. If they they trying to kiss you, you better ask them, do they know how to pray? (laughs) And if they trying to take you out on a date, you need to say what church you go to. Do you attend Sunday school? Are you in the choir? Ah! And if they can't answer none of them questions, you better leave that rascal right where you found found. Because all of us need somebody. All of us need some Zephoras in our life. That when they see we are out of line with God, they start working on our behalf. This woman of God This Midianite Who don't know nothing about Israel's God But she realizes that her husband Needs to be in right relationship with her God Instead of her getting mad at Moses She picks up a flint knife And goes and does What Moses should have done in the first place that she picks up her pocket knife. That's what a flint knife is, a pocket knife. She goes and gets her pocket knife and realizes that if her son is not circumcised, when the plague of the firstborn dying comes through, her son is going to die too. So she not only needs to circumcise on behalf of her son, but she has to circumcise on behalf of her husband. All right. She Picks up the flint knife. She circumcises Gershom. Goes against what she's custom with because she realizes that she's been the one who's been called to stand in the gap for her family. And throughout history, and I can only talk about black women because that's who I have the most experience with. Throughout history, black women have had to take on the role of Zephora. That when daddy walks out, you know mama gonna always be there. (laughs) That That a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, There were two queens that got married on the same day. Tawaina Pass got married, and Megan Mickle Merkel got married over in England. Y'all remember that? And I remember waking up, watching that wedding ceremony, and they put the camera on Megan's mama. Y'all remember that? And there that was, a black woman having to stand all by herself. And I said, she represents what black women have had to do through all generations. That in the good times, a black woman's gonna be there. Doing bad times, a black woman is gonna be there. Hey. Hey, hey. You ask me how I know because when Jesus died on Calvary we don't know where Joseph was but when Jesus was down on Calvary his mama was right there at the foot of the cross watching her baby die for the sins of the world. in her heart I can only imagine what Mary felt uh-huh. watching her baby boy yes, on the cross Three, but she stayed there yes, but all the record is she had a keen awareness that his death on the cross was necessary yes, and that Friday was not the end of the story. But she got the word yes, when the women came back from the grave, uh-huh. she got the word yes, sir. that he is no longer dead, yes, sir. he has risen uh-huh. as he said he would. And brothers and sisters, we got to be in prayer not only for ourselves, but for our sisters who have to stand under so much pressure while that, you know, women, black women, have been given this superwoman complex that so many of our women take on so many of our troubles, take on so many of our issues while at the same time trying to figure out their own stuff. And brothers, we've got to do better. Yeah. We've got to do better by our women. Yeah. We cannot talk about what the rappers and the white men do to our women when we sometimes do the same things I say. But Zephora shows the strength I'm I'm finished. She shows the strength of her, of a woman. Now when she sees that her husband is outside of covenant, she begins to intercede on his behalf. Now she wasn't happy about it, but she did what she had to do. She made the sacrifice because she knew that her blessing was attached to her husband being in right relationship with his God. Uh, And when Moses got to the house, you know, he came with his chest all poked out. Baby, you ain't going to be able to believe what I just told Pharaoh. I told him his child going to die. And she was mad. Verses 24 and 25, she was red hot mad. So mad that she took the foreskin from her son and threw it down at the feet of her husband. And because her husband, here it is, this is, this is it, I promise. Because her husband was not circumcised. When the blood of her son touched Moses, he became in right relationship. Even in his shortcoming. And so what does that mean for you and I? When we are covered in the blood of the Son of Sons, Jesus Christ. No matter what's going on in your past, you're covered. No matter what you're doing right now, when you're covered in his blood, you're covered. No matter what you do that you hadn't even thought you were going to do, and the stuff that you said you wasn't going to do, you end up doing. When you're in his blood, you are covered. The invitation is extended.